Good afternoon, Tennis fans. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide the roadmap for that journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors, yes? Well, they're almost all authors. Those of you that know me know that uh, my love for books and uh, one of the coaching teams that I was giving out books rather than trophies to my teams. Of course, I always had notes for them. But those people will be like Coach Alan Fox, Coach Chuck Reese, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, uh, Dr. John Murray, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, Coach Scott Williams. Uh, during the last, uh, well, we're entering our fourth year. In our fourth years now, we've been blessed to have people like Nick Saviano, Ed Kraft, uh, um, and other college and high school uh, coaches to be on the broadcast. Of course, the nice thing about Blog Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at any time you choose to this broadcast or any of the other broadcasts like on Wednesday when Chuck Reese broadcast is on. If you missed his broadcast yesterday, you missed an interesting uh, broadcast. I would like to, he had J.P. Weber on uh, yesterday, and uh, J.P. had some very insight uh, remarks that were made. And I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on some useful information. Because I believe Dr. King, when he said, our lights begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows? Together, we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And by the way, this uh, the third part of my uh, article uh, is now out and uh, talking about the decline of American players in college. I would like to thank Tom Farham, uh, another mentor that's been on the broadcast before, and the others who have contributed that, to that, one of them being our mentor uh, uh, t- today. Uh, so I would like to thank them, and uh, you can um, read the article now. It's in there. Uh, and as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email.fhstca.net. Who knows? You may read your views on Florida tennis or hear them on uh, one of our Coach Denise Tennis Blessings broadcasts. 
it would not be the first time uh, that happened. Uh, remember, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. And, of course, in between issues, you can always find Jim Marks or my articles uh, as well on uh, Facebook by going uh, to FL Tennis. That's FL Tennis on Facebook, and you'll be seeing. A lot of things happen in between uh, the uh, articles, so it's, uh, we try to keep you updated with that. I apologize for going on a couple minutes uh, late today, but when I tried to sign into the network, uh, I think they forgot who I was because uh, I've been uh, away so long. But as promised, I said I'd be back in February, and it is uh, February. And my commentary before I uh, bring our uh, mentor, Coach Chuck Reese, uh, on uh, I'd like to just go through. Recently, I was asked how I could like a comment on Facebook that I had previously spoken against. A good question. Well, let me try to explain. In my mind, I think if you truly support communications as a means of growing tennis, I need to listen to other views. Those of you listening to my coach and he sharing tennis lessons, or reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine, have often heard me express my view that if you truly want to communicate, we need to listen to the others expressing their views. Like you, I suspect all my coaching views are not the same as they were 50-plus years ago. Some of my views have modified uh, by further examination of other views. And on one or more occasions, my views have even been changed. Or I have stopped doing something that I used to do. I understand that I am not the brightest person, but I suspect I am not the only coach who has examined the results of others uh, to expand their own views or even change my coaching philosophy. Admittedly, I do like, that quote-unquote, on Facebook, the comments of younger coaches more often than others, primarily because I think it is more important to encourage those coaches to share their expertise rather than having our organizations tell us who the experts are and what to do. Yes, like you, I don't agree with all those that I mark like, but some I do modify and make comments on, uh, always respectfully. Others I examine why others prefer the posted articles of, over what I do. Some of those are new and improved, quote, unquote, but I don't find many truthfully new and improved. But uh, many of them are drills I used to use 30 years ago. Uh, same thing with some of the... Uh, books and articles I read. Uh, I, I wonder why I stopped using some of those things, but I do find something I did use. Occasionally you'll find a young coach saying this is something he just uh, developed, and it was something that maybe Coach 
uh, Christie or somebody else brought up years and years ago, and, and I use it. I say, oh, my God, why did I stop doing that? So as I've stated on previous broadcasts and in some of my Florida Tennis Magazine articles, listening is the key to good communication. In my opinion, it is better to be civil and respectful if you want someone to listen to your views. Uh, that's basically my uh, comment for today. <clears throat> I do uh, have uh, Coach Creasy on with me now, I believe. <clears throat> Coach, are you Hi, there? John. How are you? Yes, John, how are Sorry, you? I'm late today, but... <laughs> The network, uh, I guess, out of sight, out of mind, I've been away too long. <clears throat> I would like to expand on what I was talking about when I first started, on who our mentors are and who the, the, the regular people are. We're blessed to have a lot of people. This is our fourth year now uh, that I respect in there. But our mentors are all, and I do admit I have a bias for books, so... Uh, our uh, mentors like Alan Fox, you know, winning the mental match, uh, the winner's mind, think to win. And, of course, the book that I used when I first got in it, coach, uh, Coaching Tennis by uh, Chuck Reese, uh, it was so important. But our other mentors like Scott Williams, Serious Tennis, um, uh, Yes, God Speaks to Women Too by Lyndon LeClaire and the Confidence Factor. These are, I think, what makes our mentors so special. I don't mean to discourage any young writer or anything. Uh, Nineteen years ago when I wrote uh, my book for um, the, the district film, the court uh, side notebook, uh, I truthfully used a lot of the stuff that Dr. Bryce Young and Linda LeClaire and uh Chuck Greasy and all those people use. So I respect that. I res I think you. I encourage you to keep coming out and writing things. But most of this stuff, uh, I think back to uh, Dennis Vandermeer and the USTA instructional man uh, manual. Uh, our USTA used to be more involved in coaching than they are in recreational tennis. In my mind, they've switched from coaching to recreation. And this is why, uh, you know, uh, Munchkin Tennis was uh, uh, an outstanding book by the USTA. Uh, Jack uh, Hetzler uh, did that. And, of course, it doesn't have to be from uh, the USTA, but Tennis Tactics and Coaching New Tennis, those were books that were out to assist the coaching. They were believing that tennis was a sport that needed the coaches. They depended upon the coaches. And, um, you know, they didn't push all of them. Uh, the Inner Tennis uh, by uh, Tim Galloway, outstanding book. Uh, uh, the, the Inner Coach, uh, Dave Powers, basically a lot of the stuff you'll find in the Inner Coach. And then, of course, what I know it's one of your favorites, Chuck, but also one of mine is uh, Daniel Coyo in uh, uh, wrote the Talent Code, and then his other book, The Little Book of Talent. So I just wanted to, you know, people saying, do you have to be an author 
to be on the broadcast? No, you don't have to be. The mentors, the people I rely on, the people that you're going to hear uh, at least a couple of times a month, are these people because they contributed before and they're still giving today. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to discourage anybody from, uh, you know, writing or from speaking. And I think that was a good question that someone asked me. I see you, that a couple of you say you, you like something, but I've heard you speak against that. Yes, I like the idea that they're expressing that. If it's vulgar or if they're, you know, the commentary is such uh, that it's derogatory, no, I don't get involved in them at all. But if it's something that there's something good in, and I think there is something good in what most people have to say, but I think we don't listen to what they're saying too often. We're listening to when we can get in and interrupt and get our point across. So I do suggest that listening uh, is uh, the key to communication. That's my own biased view. And uh, like I said, I'm interested in yours. Uh, Coach, I'm sorry that um, to go a little later today, but uh, I think the network just forgot who I was. They say, oh, here's that guy again. But I couldn't get in at first. Well, Are you there, I'm very, Coach? very glad. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yes, I can. John, good. Yes. John, first of all, I'm very, very, very glad that you have decided to come back on the air and to have your weekly show. It's very, very much needed. Just a quick thing about the writing. Oh, first of all, Wayne, Bryan book, Wayne Bryan's book is great, too. It, it is excellent for any startup program, any startup kids. It's got a lot of great ideas in there. I, I've always liked him. I think Daniel Coyle's book is probably the favorite but anyhow, with along with that, look, I've uh, this is year 49 for teaching tennis of some type, but 40 year 41 years college tennis, and I would I would want to say this: one of the things that I heard very early in my career was a thing called the law of reciprocities, and another was called the law of abundance. Well, the law of reciprocities says that whatever you give you will get back tenfold. And um, tennis is a funny sport in that a lot of times coaches, players, parents do not like to share ideas or they do not like to share. They think they have a secret. They won't promote the, their teacher of their child or they don't want someone else catching up with them. It's just a competitive sport like that. But the law of reciprocities says whatever you give to someone it comes back tenfold no matter how it feels you must understand the law of reciprocities and and good people give back to you a bad person's not going to use your ideas anyway but a good person will give back to you and it comes back around tenfold the law of abundance just means there's enough to go around for everyone so when people do well you have got to lift them up and you've got to give them the pat on the back. You give them the congratulations no matter how hard it is. But there's enough to go around for everybody, especially now 
with how many events we have and the communication and everything. So I just wanted to throw that in. But as far as the books, I always encourage young coaches, even with these cell phones, but I say write, write, write your ideas down. Keep a journal. Write your ideas down and, and uh, try to, you know, so someday it will come together. I, I was able to write my first book because one reason, one reason only, from the time I started coaching, 1970, but 72 was the real time. I, I got to work for Mr. Harry Hopman for about a year, and I kept notebooks and everything that he said that was interesting, that's something I'd never heard of before, and mainly where they were coaching ideas. They were not teaching. There's a difference between tennis teaching and tennis coaching, and, and right. coaching is is um, – you must coach the heart first, and you must coach inside out with the athlete. Teaching, you sort of teach outside in. Coaching, you coach the heart and the mind, and then you put that together in the athlete. But Harry Hopman, it was the best coach, one of the best coach, best tennis coach I've ever seen in my life. None. You could put five of any of the guys out there, the top guys out there now. That that no one was as great as Harry Hopman, and the reason why is this: he he treated everyone as an individual. He knew that player development was a freeway, a highway, an expressway, with multiple different ways of doing things. But he nurtured the greatness out of each individual he didn't put greatness in he nurtured that greatness that was uniquely theirs he did nothing cookie cutter but he had a way of a way of knowing seeing he could see his eyes could see what other people's people could not see and here is the thing that was brilliant about just amazing being around him his brilliance he would make a comment that you would go, whoa, what's he saying there? And then you would look three weeks later, you'd go, oh, there, that's it. That's it. And he saw what was inside of people, but he nurtured those great things out. Now, I would say this thing about Harry Hopman, too. He knew the difference between excellence and pretty good or great. Excellence and great perfection. He saw um, one time... There was a top U.S. junior, and he was playing in a tournament. I'm not going to tell you the whole story about the player. I don't want to uh, cut them down. But this this junior was one of the best in the United States. And he lost in a big tournament in finals. But he lost not because of technical skills. He lost because of inside things inside of him, character issues. And I remember Mr. Hopman, there were about 20 people around him and he turned out he was so mad and upset. And I was saying, this guy's doing great. He's in the finals of this big tournament. Mr. Hopman turned around and said, the dang kid will never be champion. And I go, well, well what? What's going on there? And uh, it was very, very interesting. He was right. The guy got up to top ten in the world, but he was never a champion. Mr. Hopman understood the fine difference between excellence and good. But he saw, he, he trained the heart and the character and the mind. And 
in the early days, it was really interesting uh, reading about him. He he had some great, but his two great books were Lobbing into the Sun, and then he had one for kids. But um, the thing was is so very interesting about him as you read read other books. There was a book years ago I read in college about tennis. It was Bob Harmon's. Um, oh golly, uh, I forget what. Oh gosh. But it talked about Harry Hopman, and the thing that it said about Harry Hopman was that the players often thought he was martinet, too tough, mean, and just very, very cold at times. And that's true. <laughs> but he nurtured greatness out of every player that had greatness in them. And the thing is, here's the point I want to make about that. 100% of the time, players as a coach, players will never come back to you and say you were too hard, but they will always come back and say, why didn't you expect more out of me? Why didn't you see more in me? Why did you only allow me to go 90% of the way? And once those moments are gone in your youth, those molding, those, those, those formative years, it, you can't change what is inside of children. You can't change what is inside of young people. So he had even that was his genius. So the point I guess I'd like to make is being around him. And I started by talking about books. I wrote down everything during that year. I worked for him a little over a year. I wrote down things, and I wrote down everything when I started coaching that was unique and just things about coaching. And I ended up with literally about a six or seven foot stack of notes, notebooks, journals, and all these things. And I got a chance to write a book. And when the opportunity came, I was able to seize the opportunity because I'd been working 10 years at collecting notes. And it became my book, Total Tennis Training, that also went into winning tennis, youth tennis, but then the, the, other, the last book I wrote was Coaching Tennis. And uh, so I'm very proud to have left that book, and that'll be around hopefully long after I'm gone. But it's a lot because of Harry Hopman. But also my basketball coaches, my baseball coach, my track and field coaches, and all the foot, football coaches in L through the eighth grade, these people were people that I respected more than anybody else in the world. So to all you young people out there, your coaches are the greatest inspiration. And parents, don't fall for the flash and the cash and, and fancy stuff. You find that horse whisper coach or you find that Mr. Miyagi coach that is special for your youngster that will touch the heart of your son or your daughter in a way that will impact them for a long period of time. So, John, I think I've gotten off the topic a little bit. You wanted me to talk about no, what's going on. No, with that's the good because the I think we had, there's nothing wrong with getting off topic because I, I do want to get there because I did state on the – uh, that I was going to ask you uh, if you agreed. I thought you agreed with uh, Doug Cash with uh, his comments that well, he made about uh, the short scoring and uh, 
the yeah. involvement of the yeah. ITF. But I do think it's important, I mean, that we understand that we've got to look at everything. When I, The thing that attracted you to me, truthfully, was that everything I took, people would say, well, I don't know how great a coach he is, but, boy, his teams are always in condition. And coming from a basketball to tennis and knowing nothing about tennis, I said, I love this guy, and I've got to sit there, and I went to where you were going to hear what you were saying. And then I read the book, and I see physical is a big part of it, but then you have, you go into a whole section on mental into the book. You go on emotional. I never, even basketball being an emotional part of the game, I never even thought about who was going to write about that. And then becoming a high school coach later on, the section of, between an individual and team coaching is so important. So I think that's why I say this. So you might not get what you think you were getting when you start to look to get involved. And uh, thank God, you know, I've gotten a lot much more from you than I expected or deserved. But I, I did tell the people, that because there's a lot of questions uh, about the uh, – article uh, about short tennis, uh, short point tennis for one thing, and of course the uh, uh, the article about the uh, uh, ITF and where's it going, and I, I don't I think of when I got involved it was about coaching and making people better I think the USTA in particular I, I don't know about the ITF but we got into that the game, it's all about recreational tennis. And I, I have nothing against recreational tennis, but we're going to find some good athletes that just started off with recreational tennis. So I, I do believe you've got to be able to, to coach that. I think we, sometimes we look at things backwards. We don't have to put our best coaches in with the young kids, for instance. Uh, well, John, that's my view. So um, go ahead John, and. Uh, uh, it, no, John, thank you. Um, there's a couple of great points you brought up. Um, the difference between recreation versus performance, participation versus performance ten- tennis, there's a big difference there. The one main topic you've hit on is uh, the marketing versus education versus entertainment first. Now, look, Doug Cash, I know him well. He was a college coach, but he is excellent as a marketer. He is excellent. He is a guy. He had a thing called cash flow from tennis or something like that, but he's a marketer guy, a marketeering guy. Uh Now, that's all right. That's good. We need marketing people. However, here is the point, and this is what, I believe, is the crux of what is hurting our sport. First of all, numbers don't lie. You can lie about numbers, but the real numbers don't lie. We are losing players, but more important than just losing people hitting the ball, we're losing serious players. We have 380,000 high school players signed up to play tennis. Only 26,000 play tournaments. That's 6 or 7%. Six or seven out of 100 are playing tournaments. 
Well, 27,000 in the whole United States? Are you kidding me? I mean, they have that many soccer players probably in Miami or Los Angeles or somewhere. So, we're, you know, the numbers don't lie. But here's the point. Doug Cash is a marketing guy. But I want to make this point. I was at the US, in the USTA meeting down at Hilton Head in December. Now, with that, the USTA person said, here's what we have to do, and you'll see the what I believe is a flaw in their logic. They said you create, and you have an idea, you market it hard, and then you make it work because you've marketed well. I go, no, no, absolutely not. You have an idea, you work to make it successful, then you market it because you end up marketing dog do or it's like I said, the ast- ast- I remember from the 60s, the astronauts drink Tang. Well, nobody out there knows what Tang was. That was some kind of orange Kool-Aid that was crap, basically. But the bottom line on the thing, and it's gone, long gone, but you, you're, I always use that as an example. You can tie a pretty r- ribbon around dog do. You can uh, market it all you want, but in the end, if dog do is dog do. And the point is, dog dude doesn't inspire. I'm not saying everything that the USDA or things, I'm using a metaphor or an analogy that their logic in the way they're looking at marketing first, education second is all wrong. So years ago, this was 1980, 81 in there, when I was doing the U.S. Junior Davis Cup and, and things I did two and a half years. Uh, I got to sit on a board in Chicago, and the great Arthur Ashe was on the board. And uh, talking about a fantastic opportunity, 12 of us in the room, and Arthur Ashe was there. And someone asked Arthur Ashe, where are we dropping the ball in tennis? He said, now, myself, I'm thinking uh, right after college, the players aren't going out and playing tournaments a lot of them after college quit tennis um, they're not progressing from college level into the professionals well enough like they are in other sports we need more tournaments there which we do in the 20s age 20s and to 35 we need more tournaments but he goes level two he goes we get plenty of people introduced to the great sport of tennis but we don't inspire them to want to be excellent at it. In other words, level two is when you get the hook in the mouth and the kids say, I want to be really good at this. So tennis, think about high school, for example. High school tennis, we have 380,000 people. Now, it would be great if we had 380,000 wanting to play tournaments. That would be great. So his point is exact, was exactly right back then and it's still the same. If we had 380,000 people that said, we want to be good at this, well, but they're not. So you've got to address why people don't want to be excellent. Now, there's the flaw in the USTA or the ITF thinking or the ITA drives me crazy. Their college tennis is doing nothing to inspire and to give fire and to help players become excellent college tennis is all but dead you know for american players it's awful and the reason why is because over regulation 
You only get 25 matches. Give me a break. Baseball gets 64. Basketball's playing 33. 25 matches a year? Are you kidding me? If you want to kill your tennis, you go to college. I mean, it's just awful. You know, and so players go in understanding that. But the point being is that he, uh, we do not inspire the kids to play the flaw in the thinking of the USTA and the ITF and the ITA is, is that participation. If you get a lot of people participating, 380,000 high school kids, no, no cut tennis, they believe that all of a sudden excellence is going to come from participation. No, not at all. Participation reads, participation without a high bar and an excellence being pursued breeds tweenerism, breed, breeds a lot of average, breeds a lot of average stuff. It's like, and so what excellence will breed participation, but participation never will breed excellence. And the example I use all the time is if you were in music and you were in a high school, how do you get great great musicians well you have a great orchestra and then you have five great bands you know it, you don't have a lot of bands and then say oh okay we're going to have a great orchestra no it's it's excellence must be pursued to a level uh, you know it's like harry hopman saying the dang kid and he might have said the damn kid but he the dang kid will never be champion he knew the difference between the 91st percentile versus the 95th percentile versus the 98th percentile. What we are doing in the United States, and a proof of it, is the hole in high school tennis. The hole in high school tennis is there. We are only taking kid to the, kids to the 78th, 75th to 78th percentile. Nobody goes, no, no college coach goes to high school matches to recruit. Because it is a it's it's it is an after school activity. You don't ever see somebody. But think of football, basketball, baseball, every sport. Every sport has college coaches going to their high school events, track and field, because excellence is pursued. The other night, my daughter um, and I, I need to just make this point here a second. So my daughter does ballet, and I'm, my two daughters do piano. Now, do you think there is a chance in the world that my daughter could be a ball, you know, a prima ballerina? I don't think so. Now, I would never tell her that, but she might. But, but here is why she might, is because I went and watched their teacher the other night, and I sat there and watched from afar, and I was tearing up that this is stupid. It wasn't just that you're playing beautiful music, but it, I was tearing up because I saw my daughter doing these moves. I go, oh, my God, are you kidding me? My daughter can do that? My daughter can do that? She's pursuing excellence, and I couldn't care less if she was going to be a professional at it. Piano. I go to piano recitals. My older daughter's been taking piano for about eight or nine years. She's getting really pretty darn good at it. She's pursuing excellence. She's not going to play a Carnegie, but she might. 
but she's pursuing excellence. So we do it the other way. We give, we expose people to tennis. We put them in leagues, and we do these things, and we give throw trophies at them. We give them participation gold balls. We act, gold balls don't mean what they used to. We give them participation gold balls, and it doesn't mean anything. And then the abbreviated scoring, Doug Cash, I hope you're listening, but the abbreviated scoring, when a kid wins a four-game set, it's not like, wow, I really broke through. I beat the number one seed, the number one player in the state. I beat him a four-game set. Are you kidding me? He knows it's a hokey-pokey show. He knows that it's a fake. He knows that it is a not a rite of passage, but it's a participation event. And he, But when someone beats someone in a long, long match, in high school we didn't have tiebreakers. To this day I remember two or three matches, two or three that I lost that really crushed me. But I remember winning a match, a high school match. The Indiana State coach was watching me and my opponent in Indianapolis at a park. I won 9-7-3-6-20-18 in the third set. 20-18 in the third set. The rest of my life I will remember that match. But I don't, you know, you're not going to remember a four-game set. You're not going to remember, oh, boy, I won a tiebreaker for the third set. So, oh, wait a minute, I was in the band one time, and I got to play the French horn, you know. And, and it's, it absolutely is, we're making something that is a great sport into something very non-memorable. So, Doug Cash is right for marketing. Have at it. Doug Cash, cashing it in for the thing. He's a nice guy. I like the guy. He's got a lot of ideas about marketing. But let's make tennis great. Let's make American tennis great again. How you said it's not MAGA. <laughs> let's make American tennis great again, and then let's market the heck out of it. But let's don't try to market Tang. Let's don't market that high school band and say, oh, these guys are all going to Carnegie Hall. So it, it's a fake. It's it's a it's a rhinestone. It's it's not a diamond. Now. Let me just address this real quick. Let me to just John, before you go into the next ahead, thing, jump uh, in there, Coach. Jump in there. Just one one thing first, just because I might have made a mistake, or I've got to read the tennis tennis industry magazine again, uh, because the uh, article in Game Breaker says uh, with an industry that seems stagnant. And on many fronts, it's it's time we change our game plan. And I thought Doug Cash was arrogance. in agreement Listen, with ar- that. Arrogance, arrogance. Let me jump in. How okay. dare any of us think that a game, we have done something for 148 years, the tradition of tennis. Every Wimbledon, whether it's Rod Laver or Margaret Court or Chris Everett or Jimmy Connors, our Ellsworth Vines, our Bill Tilden, they all played the same scoring system. How dare, just because we give a computer to somebody and they can do something that's fancy, how dare them, the arrogance, to think that they should change the scoring system of one of the foundations of our sport. Look, in matters of principle, you stand like a rock, Thomas Jefferson said. In matters of method... 
you go ahead and flow with the wind. This is a matter of principle. The scoring is a matter of principle. It is not to be tampered with because all of those records, the Rod Laver and thing, if they start playing a hoochie-coochie dance and a hoochie-coochie show, and, oh, we got a stagnant, in, stagnant, you know what, we got a stagnant industry because we stopped going for education. We squeeze, we're squeezing every bit of juice out of our vibrant sport, and it's hollow now. It's hollow because it doesn't mean anything. The kids laugh at the prospect of a point system that parents get excited about the point system. Kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. So I think Doug Cash is a marketing person. He is not an educator. He's educating marketing. We need him. But, Doug, wait till let's make American tennis great again. Let's get T-shirts out there. Make American tennis great again. That's your marketing. Let's teach again. Tournament directors, don't be so lazy and run these abbreviated formats so you can get to a cocktail party at the end of the evening. I'm sorry. You tournament directors, get up off your butts and stay at the courts till 9 o'clock at night, finish the matches, and let kids play their complete matches instead of these bastardized, bastardized methods of ho- hokey-pokey shows, four-game sets, one-game set for doubles. Are you kidding me? That is, that, that is dis- disgusting. And tiebreaker for the third set, when you win a tiebreaker for the third set, it's, it's daggone like, you know, they say it's like kissing your sister or something. doesn't really count. doesn't count. You know, it, it's just disgusting. And, and the point being is that if the kids lose that, here's the bigger point, John. When kids lose that tiebreaker for the third set, it doesn't hurt them enough. That doesn't hurt them enough to say, I don't want that to happen again, and then they go practice more. The great Tim Wilkerson, Dr. Dirt, he made this comment. This is Tim Wilkerson's. He said, kids play for two reasons, for rivalries that are longstanding and become longstanding, rivalries with other kids, yes, competition, and also, also tournaments of heritage. And what are we doing? We're taking all of our tournaments of heritage down to Lake Cabona. And, 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 John, it's disgusting. If they ever take Kalamazoo down there, I mean, they're trying to make it financially go down there in Orlando. But they're going to make what? They're going to make it like Walt Disney World or the ESPN Baseball Center down there. We went down there and played baseball with my kid, my, 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 my son. He went and played a baseball tournament, it was the, and they got a big trophy for finishing third in their division. It was disgusting. They had 15 teams lined up. They were getting these nice trophies. Well, you paid a whopping bunch to get a trophy that you could take home from the ESPN Center. It didn't mean anything because everybody else got one. When you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. When you have five valedictorians, then you really don't have a valedictorian. When you give four trophies out for kids, then you really don't have a champion. When you give gold balls for participation and a person's the number six on a team, you don't really have a champion. When you champion the week, you don't really champ. And I'm sorry for getting emotional, but it's just these marketing guys. You know, the USTA needs to – but, but here's, here's, the, here's the bigger problem. 
U.S., there's nothing more pathetic than small people in big positions. Now, I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying when you put number two people in number one positions, you have managers in leadership position. Computers allow managers to be in leadership positions. Managers should be number two people doing things behind the scenes, making sure that things work out all right. Leaders do the right things. Managers do things right. You need both, but what we've done is we have allowed managers to be in leadership position. And, and the, the, the pathetic thing, it's pathetic. These managers are just counting numbers and counting beans and, and micromanaging, say, wow, the numbers are down. Let's get our marketers in here. When you bring the marketers in, the game ball game is over because you're not going to build, you're not going to inspire. You don't, need, you don't need regulation. You need inspiration. You need perspiration, inspiration, and you need education. You know, so, you know, we're, we're doing some things really, really wrong. Why don't they understand that? They've thrown everything there is against the wall, and none of it's sticking. You know, I mean, think of all the things that USTA has put out there. Play and stay. Uh, well, tennis welcome centers. Uh, cardio tennis. Uh, No-cut tennis. I mean, we could go on. We could list 48 things they've done in the last 20 years, and which one has really, really been successful. One thing and one thing only successful. Put the tournaments out there. Put tournaments of heritage out there. Cut the kids loose and say, go get them, kids. And that is what inspires, John. So, ah. Well, I think that part of the uh, – I, I agree with what you're saying. I think part of the problem is they're really just, just – I call it middle management now that we have running these. Uh, organizations. The problem is uh, I've got hooked on this artificial intelligence. Uh, they're reading a lot about that, and you can, being computer illiterate, probably why it fascinated me. But if a three, if a computer can write a, a, a synopsis better than a third-year law graduate, or a computer can now. IBM has a computer that uh, you can sit there and talk for four ahead. minutes and get it back. What do we need to pay? Why are we in Florida, for instance, we have the USTA Florida. All that money is going to pay right, management John. that we could have a computer doing that. I think John, my fear is that we're, we're the people that's hurting what they want to do because we understand what the kids need. And they're just not giving it a chance for it to work. John, 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 once again, we need leaders that understand the difference between people who do things right and people who do right things. Any great leader will know that you do not. Computers only are there to serve us. Here's the thing, the tragedy about computers, what's happening, they figured out that they can't make computers think like people, but they're making people think like computers. Now, well, we're, that's why we're... Well, they can. The problem leaders. is the computer is for management. It's not for leaders. The computer is not going to come up with anything new. I mean, the computer John, is only going to 
come up with what they're asking to do. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing, John. Look, we're not a socialist country. I don't care if socialism is, people think it's cool right now. It's never succeeded. So what is socialism? It's centralized government, and it's people, them calling all the shots, and by the time it trickles down to the lower state levels or whatever, people are going, what is this bunch of junk? And they're going, and nah, nah, I'm going to do my own. I'm either compliant, I'll just do token compliance. And most of the time, you're going to have defiance. You know, and then you'll have, you'll have defiance and then token compliance, but people will never buy in. So what we have right now is token compliance. USTA, listen, you guys have token compliance. You have a lot of defiance. You're going to have defiance from me until you get it right, until you get it right. Listen, if you can knock it dead and tennis becomes great again, I'll say good going, guys. I love that you've made our American tennis great again. But they have token compliance. They have great defiance, and they do not – no one really buys in with their heart. The kids aren't buying in with their heart. We have a bunch – of robotical stuff going on. We do not have passionate stuff going on, but they've got to let go of the reins. USTA, look, power is implied. It does not have to be exhibited. You guys have got to empower people under you, starting with the local coaches. Let's give, all the USTA should be doing is putting the great tournaments out there and get the heck these guys that are acting like experts, you know, I mean, some the, the the coaching is so they go they don't coach the heart they can't because they you've got to go so deep with players in coaching the heart first. So we look they've squeezed in the marketing they've squeezed the thing dry and there's nothing that's going to happen. It's going to keep going down, and I'm I'm sad to say that, and I hope that I'm wrong. I wanted, I wanted to bring up something, a, a couple things here. Go ahead, Coach. Um, well, this this sort of this is one of the best educational things that I've seen recently. And anybody out there, listen quietly or listen well to this. We're riding up to my son's baseball. I, I take him to a guy I call Miyagi. He's a horse whisper or baseball whisper type guy. Every two weeks we drive about an hour and 30 minutes up the road to Sumter, South Carolina. Oh, that's the home of the great Bobby Richardson, if you all didn't know that. Yep. But Sumter has yep. great baseball. <clears throat> so, anyhow, I drive him up there, and I got there's a guy up there I call Miyagi. Well, my son, on the way up, he said, Dad, Dad, I need to borrow your uh, cell phone. I got to look. I, I don't let my kids have <laughs> cell phones for a long time. I got to look this thing up. And I said, well, what is it? And he got it up and he said, it's my assignment. I didn't, I didn't read it for Coach, Coach Wally. I didn't read it. I, I'm, I'm worried I didn't. I said, well, son, you, you need to do that early. So you, but the article was on the Chinese bamboo tree. And I said, son, what's this about? And he said, well, the Chinese bamboo tree, you tell me. You're going to tell Coach about it. Tell me about it. But this is such great wisdom. So my my son goes, Dad, the Chinese bamboo tree, when they plant it, the first whole year, 
they water it and do things, and they water it and water it and water it day after day for the whole year, nothing happens. They do it for the second year, nothing happens. Third year, nothing happens. Fourth year, nothing happens. After five years, the bamboo tree, the Chinese bamboo tree, grows 60 feet in eight weeks. John? Hello? That's so important because... Okay, wait a minute. I get cut in. Now, listen, listen. Okay, I thought I cut you out. Yeah. 60 feet in seven weeks. Well, what was happening, everything was going to the root system, all of the nurturing. So the whole thing was about greatness happens like very much like you grow in the Chinese bamboo tree. Now think of the difference in marketing. Marketeers will say, no, you dump, dump nitrogen on the soil, you make that corn stalk grow up fast, it blooms one time, it falls over, it's dead. Grow it fast, it draws attention. We have hundreds and hundreds of examples of very good college players and other players coming out in the last 30 years in the United States since the USTA has micromanaged everything. So what happens, we have hundreds of players where they grow like a corn stalk. They do well, they get up to 30 in the world, and then they fade. They never, they go away. We don't have, look, Federer, Nadal, uh, what's his name, Djokovic, they're, they're more like the Chinese bamboo tree. They are so deep. Now, what, what, do you think really those guys want to play no-ad scoring? Do you really think that they want abbreviated formats? They know they don't want that their Chinese bamboo tree of their skills and their knowledge of the game is different than anybody else's. Why are they always in the finals of the Grand Slam? Well, what's wrong with that? You know what's wrong with it? The gambling industry does not like it. The gambling industry wants randomness in professional tennis, John. So the gambling industry, you know what they've done? John, they got college tennis. For the, you know, the, the U.S. ITA and the ITF is pushing this, and they're pushed college they're first. Money. Now it's being pushed. They're pushing it down into the juniors. And five or six years from now, our kids will be trained. If we have anybody come out that inspires us, our kids are being trained to come up fast. And the bottom line on the thing, we will have randomness. Randomness pays the house. And those of you out there don't know this, Tennis is the number two most gambled on sport in the world. And why it's not that it's most popular, it's the fact that in a 128 draw, you have 127 gambling opportunities. You have the most gambling opportunities with the tournament structures that we have. That is pathetic. It stinks to high heaven, and it makes me sick to my stomach for someone who's been teaching tennis for 49 years to see this. Now, in the end, the thing that got me fired up, John, tonight, I was going to try to be very slow and methodical and more like a number, you know. But the thing that got me fired up was when they said, oh, we've got to change stagnation. Bull crap. The game is going to be around whether we have a lot of people or less people, but that's bull crap. Do not let uh, Coach, up, it's a good thing you got fired up, it. Coach, because we just went through a whole broadcast, so it's a good thing you got fired up. 
If I was smarter, I would put this on for an hour and a half instead of an hour as I learned how to do this. But I appreciate you sharing yeah. that uh, yeah. with us today. Uh, if you've got 30 seconds, if you have anything else you'd want, like to say. No, just folks, look, last thing, all you listening, everybody has skin in the game. Don't be afraid. You must stand up, speak out. If you believe the scoring system is a matter of principle, like Thomas Jefferson said, stand like a rock. If you just think it's mythology, get into marketing. You coaches, it's not about that short crap. It's about our kids learning the lessons of life through this great game of tennis. God bless all of you for your teaching. John, thank you for you having a radio show on. God bless you, man. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Folks, next week we have uh, uh, a broadcast, and then I'm going to be uh, taken off again because, truthfully, I have uh, my uh, grandsons coming down who are playing college uh, baseball, and uh, we're going to travel around the state watching uh, that uh, those matches. But uh, next uh, week we will have Ken McAllister, uh, those of you that don't know him, the, the, you're not from Texas, that's for sure, and you probably haven't been involved with the USTA for long, but he has a new book out, From Cattle to Courts, and I'm going to be talking to him about that. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks off again before we come back. Just uh, I thank you for tuning in. I'm sorry we had a little delay getting started uh, today. Uh, I think I've been uh, off for so long that uh, they forgot I was still part of the network, but that's okay. Uh, listen, tell your friends about the broadcast. Remember the great thing about Blog Talk Radio, you can listen anytime you choose. God bless you. Have a blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.